Hello and welcome to Buena Vista, episode 234. I am Ben, and I'm here in a perfectly ordinary laboratory in Wuhan, China, sometime in 2019. With me is Andrew, who is doing perfectly ordinary science stuff in a perfectly ordinary scientific laboratory. Hi, Andrew. Hey, what's up? You ever do science with your eyes closed? No, I just no? do ordinary science here. I like to try and do it by feel. Mm, shouldn't. You never do vibe science? Nope. Just a perfectly right. ordinary scientist doing ordinary science type stuff. Nothing. Mr. By the books over here. Miss. Uh, nothing untoward. Also with us, preparing to both invent and release the novel coronavirus. <laughs> uh, stand-up comedian, worst oh. idea of all time host, and Taskmaster NZ contestant Guy Montgomery. Guy, uh, no. Oh no. What do you I wish you wouldn't. I I uh. I can't help myself. I just love <laughs> mucking around with these petri dishes. <laughs> this guy gets it. This guy's doing vibe science. Yeah. Anything's possible when you use your mind. Um, that is the poster we have up inside this lab for certain. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, yeah. You really... Uh, I will say this for you, Ben. Mm. You've uh, really done me dirty there. <laughs> I might have, yeah. I might have stitched you up a little tiny bit there, and I apologise for that. But I do. I, I just want to clarify before we get into anything. Um, <laughs> could you just like for once and for all, let's just clear this up. It's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about uh, the double crow device? You against it? The, I was one of the first Twitter users to um, go on the record as 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 being against it. I just feel like I've seen a lot of people say stuff to the contrary. Ah, yeah, but you can't (laughs) listen to them. You've got to listen to me. So one of the first things I said is uh, I I think this this will cause problems and it will inconvenience many to varying levels for a long time. I didn't say it exactly like that initially, but that was the energy I was putting out. And I've, (laughs) I've been unwavering. And it doesn't matter how many people bring me doctored tweets saying that i've been pro i i know where i stand it's one of the few you know it's one of the few sureties in my life this is an just, ongoing policy i feel like i've seen a few probably since deleted tweets i've seen screenshots of them of <laughs> yeah. you saying i support the novel coronavirus <laughs> i i probably just, I said know. something like i support the wellington phoenix and what <laughs> some nasty bastard has done is they've used i don't know preview or whatever photoshopping app they have to to change wellington phoenix to um novel coronavirus i I will say this i've written one joke about the coronavirus can i perform it for you i would love that very much people keep calling this thing the the novel coronavirus (laughs) Uh, am i am i the only person who thinks the novelty has well and truly worn off you know i'm sick of this thing (laughs) and you're probably uh the first person to find some sort of wordplay in the use of the word novel in that yeah for sure yeah one of the first and uh, uh, I'm being led to believe that you're bringing this incredible stand-up comedy to, to Australia, the country that we're in. <laughs> That's right. I am abstaining from Brisbane. Yes. And Canberra. Out of respect uh-huh. for both Ben and Andrew, you Thank don't you. have to find a reason to not buy a ticket. Yeah, but right. I will be in Melbourne for the Melbourne Comedy Festival and Sydney for less nights during the Sydney Comedy Festival. God willing. I'm not... Um, like, I've I've... I've booked my, you know, I've got everything booked, but I just, everything feels so uncertain in these wacky times that until <laughs> I'm on the ground and holding a microphone and using my iconic novel coronavirus opener, uh, <laughs> I just don't believe it's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, th- don't let that stop you from buying tickets, please. I beg of you. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been doing a lot of that lately where I keep listing events and telling people, definitely buy tickets, but there's a fair chance uh, you will get refunded for it at um, some That's point. Right. But who knows? Think of it as a, a like a bond deposit, and it could grow into something beautiful like an hour in my company, or it could grow into something beautiful like money you had now, you having again, I guess. It's sort of surprise money that you didn't know that you would have. Yeah. I've bought myself a couple of treats with like gigs that got refunded where I've yeah. been like, oh, $70 just went back in my account. That's right. I'm waiting on $110 to drop right now. I bought tickets to a music festival this weekend. Bold. It's been cancelled. It got cancelled the day after I bought the ticket. And <laughs> I've not and told straight you Straight away, that. you're like, oh, free money. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, my God. I think I still have like 60 bucks floating in the ether to go and see the uh, Waves, like 10th anniversary of whatever that first album he did was to her. Uh, and this was in like early 2020, I think. And Hell they're yeah. just like, oh, just we'll hold on to your ticket for when that comes back around again. And I'm like, it's, it's been a while. I don't yeah. know if you are going to come back around again. Yeah, don't worry about that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll do the show, and you'll 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 be able to come see it. I don't even know if I want to go anymore. Yeah. I've had some oh, time to think well, about it. In, in the interim, you found out that Waves is a landlord, right? I have, yeah. Many we yeah. got very upset at people on the internet when they were like, "Hey, that's not very punk rock of you." <laughs> do you know? I I remember when. Uh, People outed Hannibal Burris as a landlord. landlord. Oh, that and was I, a odd I, day. I loved his response, which was like, yeah, I'm a landlord. Shut the fuck up. Fuck you. I was like, <laughs> if people are going to get you for something, you know, you've got these options, which are, you know, sort of weird deference or, oh, yeah, yeah you, you got my, like, total ownership will nearly always, it might lead you to being red-pilled and making some bad decisions down the line, but at least... You know, you don't have to live in fear of being discovered for the rest of the day, I guess. Yeah, well, there was there was that brief uh, brief furor on Twitter a day or two ago of um, Damon Albarn uh, from, yeah. from Blur say, and Gorillaz saying in an interview, oh, you know, I don't consider Taylor Swift like the same kind of songwriter as Billie Eilish or whatever. And Taylor Swift doing what she loves to do, which is then immediately going to her 11 billion Twitter followers and saying, this man was mean to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and he like an hour later was like, hey, nope, didn't mean that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I respect you a lot. Sorry. Sorry about your feelings uh, or whatever. And um, I did see a few people saying, oh, I can't respect that. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> That's a sign of weakness. Apologizing. That you just gotta say fuck you, Taylor Swift fans. Yeah. Fuck that. You've got. Although to, maybe that's a different. Maybe that's a different kind of kettle of fish. The Taylor Swift fandom. You know. I, I think. It, it, yeah, but it represents the same thing, right? Which is um, never swerving from something mm. you've said once for fear of showing a bended knee to the the bloody online Twitterati, who are all they all they want to do is get. Someone's ass. The horrid teens of the world. Yeah. It, it feels Get, nice. Teens are on Get, Twitter big time. Getting an ass. Yeah. Once yeah. you oh. finally got one, you're like, ooh. Getting I'm, someone to delete something or apologize? Goodness gracious. What a I feeling of I've, power. I don't think I've ever gotten an ass. <laughs> I, don't think I've, I don't think I've purely had my ass got either. Except for at the start of this podcast when you got my ass. <laughs> except for the coronavirus <laughs> yeah. stuff. I mean, that's all based on your actions. Now, Oh, boy. Uh, I thought we would maybe start off this episode with um, 
arguably a fan favorite segment of this podcast. It's sort of just mm. a bit of a bit of time off for you because you you, you yeah. know stand up comedian. You're always writing jokes. You're always thinking about jokes. This is an entirely joke free segment. Um, yep. Oh we wow! We will be pilloried if anyone mm. makes any jokes in it. Uh, we'll Bef- be like bef- before it starts. We need to really strongly discourage you from <laughs> making jokes during <laughs> no. this segment. Oh dear! And I know your comedy instincts will kick in because that's who yep. you are. Well, You're one of the jokers, one of the mad yeah, ones. You've yep. heard me. My tools are sharp. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, but try and refrain if you can. Um, it is, of course, time for the shipping report. I'm itching for another edition of the shipping report. All right. The shipping report is where um, I read to you all of the news from international shipping from the last week uh, with all of the stories where someone died removed. Yeah. And that's so, most of the stories. Yeah, that's a, that's a large, certainly a large portion of them this week. <laughs> that's the two the two promises about this segment: uh, joke free, fatality free. Yeah. Okay. No, it does no laughs. It, that, that's that's cruel because it does feel like if you remove the fatalities, you you've left yourself a lot of runway for jokes. But exactly. alas, yep, you'd think rules are well. rules. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who came up with them, but we must enforce them and abide by them. Okay, yep. well, I, I sure hope sort of there are no hilarious pratfalls or minor incidents <laughs> that would lend oh. themselves to, um, you know, japery because God knows it'll be tough to resist. But you go no. ahead, Ben. Do you know, there's, I know there's no juicy. funny names. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the general cargo ship Manasa Rose M ran aground off the island of Crete, uh, subsequently breaking in half. That's no good. It's a shame. You need, like, ideally... All of the boat in one piece. You what? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. would agree with that. And that's not that's not a joke. <laughs> no, like, no, no. If somebody, said, if somebody said to me, hey, I need advice. Should my boat be in one piece or two pieces? Easy answer. Wow. Yeah. You say, is, are we discussing a catamaran? Mm. Technically, yeah. still one piece. It's one but piece, t- I'd Two say, bits. Yeah. Two hulls. Don't get I me think, started on trimarans. Yeah. I think... Um, Suggesting a boat should be a one piece, why not a joke? It's almost a truism. We would assume <laughs> that most people would agree with that. That's yep. true. But sometimes in the absence of jokes, you have yeah, to resort yeah. to truism. Okay. Just the truth. Just the truth. Well, uh, the- doing a good job of keeping a straight face so far. <laughs> and our, our thoughts are with the um, both the people on board <laughs> and on the island of Crete. <laughs> that is certainly true. <laughs> The roll-on, roll-off ferry Admiral Bay 3 uh, crashed into sailing yachts in the port of Bridgetown in Barbados. Ah. Yeah. It's one of the last things we wanted to happen there. Mm -mm. Yeah. That's a whole other segment. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Dutch general cargo vessel Eames, EXE, crashed into a pier in the German port of Wismar. So these are all... Non-fatal boat crashes. <laughs> that's right. There are no deaths. Then, well, it's not always a crash. Whatsoever. It's not always a crash. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Is, is there any like sort of mishaps with cargo? They thought they were taking pineapples, but they took bananas. Or there are actually a few cargo mishaps coming up. Not that exact situation that you've described, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes, sometimes uh, they get to the other end and they realize they've lost a shipping container. That's, oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. They count them all up and they go, "Ooh, oh no, ooh." Uh, scrap metal in the hold of the Turkish freighter Balat caught fire while the vessel was in the Spanish port of Montreal. Caught? Yeah. Yes, Andrew. Caught fire? Yeah. Scrap metal? Yes, that's right. 
Okay. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've, 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 I've held a lighter up to a bit of metal before. Not much action. Well, aluminium is flammable. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, it might have been aluminium. I'm not an expert. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and next time I have nothing to add, I won't even say it. I'll just be quiet. No, let us know. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Norwegian people, people at home are probably wondering, is his mic on? Yeah. You know? I don't want to distress any listeners. I mean, this is a distressing enough segment as it is without not knowing whether or not my mic is working. This is by far our worst segment. It is by far it's, my favorite. I mean, th- that's the problem with the podcast. It's an audio medium. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's not visual. They can't tell. You could be talking away, mouth could, moving. Yeah. They'd be at home. They'd be none the wiser. Uh, the Norwegian Aframax crude oil tanker Irviken suffered a mechanical issue while preparing to transvert, uh, transit the Strait of Bosphorus. Mm. Mm. What's well, good? Like, at least it didn't happen halfway through. Uh, That's true. Is yeah. this... Who's the moderator of the site? These are all specific, but also delightfully vague. Mm. Oh, so these have been... Um, Paraphrased by me uh, from a much, much more detailed bulletin. I uh, see. All done by a man whose name is Mikhail Voitenko on the website Maritime Bulletin. He's a massive COVID conspiracist. So a lot of these posts, um, he's ranting about how ships getting quarantined and stuff and saying how it's all made up and how the real pandemic is so-called vaccine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I, don't I think, think it's ben, true. Ben's edited out all the parts that say the new world order tried to, tried to stop a German ship from coming in. You know. Yeah, yeah uh, actually, he, that was one of the stories this week. <laughs> essentially, was about how another ship had to go into quarantine and how it's a long one in a series of, you know, new world order government shit. Uh, but he is very good at detailing maritime incidents. So thank mm-hmm. you, COVID conspiracist Mikhail Voitenko. Helps Appreciate Ben keep his, keep his ear to the. And just, I mean, look, I I know while we're retreating familiar ground, or as it may be in this segment, water for the uh, diehards. (laughs) No jokes, please. for the hosts, not a joke, just a turn of phrase, a harmless Mm -hmm. turn of phrase. Your choice to laugh is yours alone. Yep. Uh, Not exercising it at this time. (laughs) Yeah, and I respect that. How would a fella like Ben come across Mm -hmm. a guy like Mikhail? Um. Because surely there are other know. sort of more, you know, shipping updates from people with whom you might be more ideologically aligned. What I really respect about this segment is, you, you know, is the source, is the the lack of humor, mm-hmm. and I, I suppose the trimming of the information and the, you know, the, the person from whom you're getting it. You're just divorcing it from anything except raw data yes that's right that's what the shipping report's all about it might become riffable if there was too much to go on in there uh i don't want to run the risk don't attempt fate very well i apologize for interrupting as you were thank you very much uh both for the apology and for allowing me to continue the norwegian coaster bugenfjord uh developed a heavy list in the kattegat sea area off the coast of denmark great name tough time for ships in norway Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a load of Russian wheat in the hold of the Japanese bulk carrier Royal Jade caught fa- fire while the vessel was in the Pakistani port of Karachi. Mm. It seems like a really quite a common issue to be 
surrounded by water mm. while your vessel bursts into flame. Well, we've discussed this before, the cruel irony mm. of being a fire yep. at sea. Yeah. I'm water, the- water everywhere, and I am on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... There were a few iterations of that. It's a shame that that one didn't take off. Because <laughs> I, I hate that drafts. drop to drink shit. You know, I miss the days of buying my wheat direct from the boat. Mm. Yep. No, I Getting just the morning's out. catch. Yeah. No, <laughs> Taking my bucket down there. <laughs> Don't go down to shops like a fucking idiot. These days, people just buy bread pre-made instead of waking up early to go down to the harbour. And that's really sad. Oh, I was doing the groceries today. Right. Hell yeah. And... Um, yep. and- all right, here comes grocery chat. Yeah. I, was, I was doing the groceries today, and uh, trolley or the, basket. There was the uh, trolley, full oh. shop, family oh, shop, Jesus. planning planning the week's meals and everything. You know, as if you got a hard copy of your list, or is it on a phone? Uh, it is on a phone. How do you cross uh, it off? Well, on on the iPhone Notes app, you can use a little a little checklist thing, and then you can just you can just tick them off as oh, you. That's satisfying. As you get them, you know. So I was like, "Oh, we got some broccoli. The broccoli is what nine dollars a kilo or something. How's the uh, broccolini by comparison?" And the broccolini was just like three dollars a bunch, but didn't say anywhere how much it weighed. And I took it over and I put it in one of the the grocery store scale things, which I have not used mm-hmm. in so many many moons, and it made me feel like going to the market in the olden <laughs> times, you know. What were I you? would love. I would love to take my take my basket down, and say, "Fill this with wheat from the hold. Yeah. Weigh it up on these scales and tell me how <laughs> how much it costs." You I don't see th- people using the scales anymore. Exactly. Do you? Nobody touches the scales because now everything, like you know, they sell you the you get you, you get your apples or your tomatoes or whatever, and they're like in a little uh, cardboard yeah. basket, which is in a plastic wrap thing. You know. Oh, you got to wrap it in plastic. I miss the days of taking my uh, basket down to the the docks and getting them to Mm. fill it up with loose wheat and watching just (laughs) scores of wheat streaming through the holes in the basket and saying, saying, screaming screaming at the top of my lungs, there's got to be a better way. (laughs) My weeds. Kids these days wouldn't understand that. And that's that's quite tragic. Yeah. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They know nothing about it. Gen Z, you know? <laughs> they know nothing about, like, screaming at your friends I, to cup I, their hands under yeah. the basket and catch all the wheat they can. I call them uh, Gen Z because they're so boring, <laughs> they send me straight to freaking sleep. <laughs> so, S- Sydney and Melbourne, people can... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already burned the first 15 minutes in the podcast, but I, I close strong. There's the novel coronavirus joke and the Gen Z joke, and those two yeah. take 15 minutes. <laughs> I make them last long. <laughs> you start by going around the room and asking everyone what they're having to drink. You know? <laughs> not you offering, oh, not offering like a commentary okay. on the drink, just moving straight on yeah. to the next person. Just collecting data. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is just for my own reason. Yeah. <laughs> I moonlight as a, a comedian, but my passion is stats. <laughs> just doing a brief survey I will do some jokes at the top and the bottom but the middle part yeah. really about data it's harvesting. mainly going to be stats <laughs> I, what I like is all of the jokes we've made have been unrelated to these uh, minor shipping crises so we're what? still our hands yeah. are clean yeah. yeah I think by the rules that we've set we might be fine but uh, we will find out uh, in the subsequent days from the emails that we receive <laughs> oh okay. yeah people will uh, let us know they are vocal about this one mm. 
Uh, the Norwegian product tanker, the Polar Viking, ran aground outside Tromsø port in Norway. Again, more strife in Norway. These Nords. You know. We have uh, at least one Norwegian listener. I hope you're doing okay over there. <laughs> um, that's, that, is, that is coming close to my favorite name for a ship that we've come across in this segment. Polar, Polar Viking. Viking. That's really good. It, it, is, it has not topped Ionic Hawk. That is my favorite we've ever had to date, yep. But I'm going to say that's like top three. You might like the next one, perhaps. Hmm. Uh, the Polish general cargo ship Tarzan contacted the wall of the Northern Lock at Brunsbüttel while transiting the Kiel Canal. Now, uh, I don't know if you're a maritime man guy at all. I don't know your, your history with sailing. Uh, but when they say contacted here, I don't mean they jumped on the bloody phone to speak uh, to the Northern Wall. They've they, impacted it. They've run I into see. it. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that because I thought, hold on a second, this doesn't belong in the shipping news at all. <laughs> this sounds like, you know, a, an ordinary day on the water, but alas. Unfortunately, no. It's the, the, the jargon and the nuance that really sells it. Now, this is the final entry I've got here. Don't uh, tell me it's over just as it's getting started. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to disappoint you, uh, but we are going out with a bang here. This one's quite spicy. Uh, the Ukrainian general cargo vessel Iolika uh, was detained at Dakar for carrying undeclared arms. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now the Ukraine, they're in the news, right? <laughs> that that <laughs> is certainly true. Not by choice. <laughs> yeah, I won't be going any further than that. Um. I will declare that at the end of the shipping report. So if anyone wants to make jokes from here on out, uh, you are fine. <sighs> okay, guy, uh, I'll I'll bear that in mind. I just yeah. don't want to burn my whole show, you know, <laughs> before I come over. Accidentally reflect reflexively going into the material that you have prepared. I know it's at the forefront of your mind at the moment. Constantly, I love that segment. That was a sweet little time. Uh, it's um, we've had complaints, uh, but we've Unders also had lots of praise. So. <laughs> I, I, I empathize with uh, both factions of listeners. <laughs> I mean, you've sort of, you know, in your history as a podcaster, has sort of actively chosen things that are uh, arguably belligerent to not only your audience, but to your co-host. Like there are, it seems, very real moments, particularly in the first year of The Worst Idea of All Time, uh, where it seemed like a very real friendship was about to deteriorate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh I think, I don't know, I, I, that's undeniably true, but that first season of the podcast was we were actually, become, we, were form, we were genuinely forging the, the basis of the friendship moving forward. And because um, we put Fortune ourselves- fire, you know? Yeah, exactly. We put ourselves through challenging scenarios. And so I, I did feel an onus of responsibility as a co-host of the show to, um, if I saw that Tim, my, my co-host, um, was at a low ebb, I, as a friend, I felt deep empathy and I, I wanted to comfort the man. But as a sort of, you know, uh, an adventurer and a co-host of the show, I felt it was my responsibility to poke and prod him until he was feeling deeply antagonized. I mean, it also really <laughs> seems like a concept. Um, I, I was I was describing the show to my wife today, and she was like, "Well, that doesn't sound very good. Why would anybody do that?" 
I said, I think that's the point of the show. That is yeah. the exact opposite um, reaction. I remember the first time I like read it described somewhere on like a list of someone's like favorite podcasts from the year or whatever. When, whenever you started, whatever the first year was, and I was like, oh, that's actually a fucking perfect idea for a podcast. Which you'd most ideas yeah. for podcasts, you hear them and you go, well, that oh, sounds see, but, shit. But this this was my point though, is that I think that it's like a very kind of um, it's a really risky prospect, right? It's it's a very it's a Faustian bargain where, like, mm. either I, I think in order for it to really work and 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 to become funnier and funnier and everything, you have to go through the punishment of uh, yeah. the whole thing, right? I, I totally agree. And you could very easily do that for some sustained period of time while not finding any success with the show. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, like, like. Obviously, it has been very successful, but it's entirely possible that you could have done that and done it for like, you know, eight, ten weeks in a row and been like... We did. Nobody I mean, was this listening is, to this, this and is, I hate it so much. This is the thing. This is how it started is no one was listening for, I think, between 20 and 30 weeks, we, we had oh. very few, but the, the belief... It was, was, it was pushing through those barriers, well, right? Well, there's a few things at play, which is... You know, we've always thought we have more um, integrity than talent, and mm-hmm. so the, the 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 truth of the torture and the commitment to actually doing the necessary work was um, at the forefront of the show. And then there was also the belief that if we watch Grown Ups to you know enough times, it will become interesting. Mm. And we realised that it was a concept that meant that. Uh, uh, with time, like you know, people wouldn't need to find out about it the year that we made it. People could find out three years, and if we became successful independent from the podcast, it would be a fun thing to trace back and be like, because it lends itself to to shock. You know, like the the power of accelerating through time, where it's like we're doing the same thing once a week for a year, so you've got fifty two episodes. But if you find it years and years later, you can condense like an entire year of a human life. Into fifty-two podcast episodes through the Terrifying through the lens of grown-ups too. I, uh, but I mean, it's it's definitely like um, it's it's fascinating. Really, there's a real Pavlovian response to my friendship with Tim. I feel anxious when he texts me. Uh, it's like it's it's taken you know years off of my life, and it's definitely damaged. <laughs> well, me in some relationships, but you know, I'm, like, I'm pretty familiar with some movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, I did a much, much like uh, lower stakes, smaller scale version of this with um, with a friend Riley from the podcast Trash Future, and um, we he had been talking for a while about like the TV show Bones, um, just a, a terrible like. A forensic procedural kind of thing and he was saying this particular season of this show it just it just gets absolutely off chops it goes completely haywire and we did a a, a series which patrons of our show have access to which was like um just watching and recapping every episode of season five of the tv show bones i have never seen another episode of of I bones love, i love that and I ne- and I've never seen another episode after season five. As far as I'm concerned, it exists in that total vacuum. I know? I agree. I think those other seasons aren't canon. 
And that might not be true for yeah. everyone, but it's nope. true for you. To listeners of our show, yeah. it's absolutely true. There was never another episode made. And um and like I certainly experienced um as someone who was like not a fan of the show outside of that or anything, I absolutely had a bunch of moments where I was like, Oh no. Now I have to watch this forty minute episode of a TV show and pay attention to it. Well, and, um, but that, I mean, it's interesting because I am experiencing, Tim and I are experiencing our own version of that currently where we did, so we did Sex in the City 2 for a year, yep. we did Sex in the City for a year, and what winds up happening as you do these shows is you just become like a, a, a repository for information pertaining to Adam Sandler or Sarah Jessica Parker or whatever, like if, if there's any news headline, there's just a ceaseless bombardment of you know, people linking well, you to mm, it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because you, you start looking for anything outside of the core right. information that you have available to you and it branches off. But we're, we're doing it within just like that now, which is the Sex and the City reboot. Um, it's the, the woman <laughs> are, uh, is still alive in New York. and uh, <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> I'm like... At 50 or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally enamored by the season i'm loving it just because i spent so long watching these people make the same decisions over and over again (laughs) and like the freedom i'm feeling even though i still disagree with them and you know these are not it's not enjoyable company you're like like, you're like bill murray when he wakes up and it's no longer groundhog day exactly he's like amazing wonderful look at you all doing something new it 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 feels so much like that (laughs) i mean you also did subject yourself to an entire season of uh, watching different installments in a long-running franchise of softcore pornography. Uh, which- I knew I I from the outset I knew that was a mistake. I knew <laughs> like before we were even watching it, I knew that it was a it was a fun idea that was going to be a long year, and it was. But people really enjoyed it, and it was it was probably you know it was it was. Uh, Podcasts, unless expressly stated otherwise, shouldn't be horny. And I, I thought it was yes. particularly grotesque for us to be watching porn. But people I, seem to enjoy it. I think even a casual observer could have told you that at the outset. Certainly, yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, good on you for pushing through I'd all common sense. A, a casual <laughs> observer is how I would describe my relationship to my podcast. <laughs> Are you tired of paying nothing for the same old superior quality free episodes of the Bunta Vista podcast? Do you want less politics and more content about diarrhea or animals gone wild? Are you tired of skipping through those hours upon hours of paid product placement for Mark Wahlberg film Shooter? Well, boy, do I have the offer of a lifetime for you. That's right, for just five US dollars a month, you too can be a premium VIP member of the Bunta Vista Patreon. That's right, just five US dollars for all of our bonus episodes. That's over 300 hours of content from the hosts you know and definitely tolerate. I'll even throw in access to our glamorous and exclusive Discord server, where bizarre arguments only happen once or twice a week at most. Head to patreon.com slash buntavista. Sign up in the next five minutes and I won't know because that's not my job, but you'll be enjoying the sweet satisfaction of supporting us, and we will love you romantically for it. That's my promise to you. But at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? Our beautiful listeners experiencing uh, the the punishment that we deliver to ourselves. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Andrew, have you got a segue in the tank there? Because I realise I've left you with quite a um, complicated uh, headline there to try and figure out. Oh, boy. And you can pick which of those three segments you'd like this to be. That's That's up to you.
I think I might have one actually. Wait, let, check this out. Okay, um, let's see. He's lining up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> softcore pornography. What a thing. Uh, they don't have that in the Netherlands. They only have the other kind. It's time for Dutch Watch. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm from Holland. Isn't that weird? It is weird. Uh, so this is a story from uh, DutchNews.nl, the only trusted Woo! source in English language Dutch news. Mm-hmm. Several human I'm not, skulls. I'm not trusting anything that I read in Dutch. I'll tell you that right now. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it translated into a non-evil language. <laughs> uh, several human skulls found in river. Police say not from a recent crime. <laughs> well, That's they, good. These uh, are just classic skulls. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, you know these. They're not recent. Yeah, people were killed, but it's outside of our jurisdiction. Yeah, it's no longer our problem. What do you we're think not is time cops? Yeah, what do you what do you think is the line? Like, what's the statute of limitations on skulls well, in a river? No, more like more like <laughs> when do you when do you look at skulls or a body and say, uh, oh, it's fine. Hey, hey, a murder happened. Versus, oh, we're looking at some history. Well, I think it's it's a different question for me as a citizen. I would say that is anybody or any yeah. skull. Any skull. Any skull. If I'm like a forensic scientist or a, an officer of the law, I reckon probably if the, if the bones are totally dry, mm. that's none of my business. But if oh, the, the, the dry bones clause. Yeah. <laughs> that's climate dependent though. If someone died in a desert, maybe, you could get to dry bones way sooner. It's, if you're a yeah, desert cop, that's right. you got like it's, 10 years. If you're a desert cop, um, it's a, a much more chill job because you're coming across a lot more <laughs> sort of just dry skeletons and you're thinking, God damn it, if only I could find who did this. But they got away with Sometimes, like on the bright side, sometimes the skull has a sombrero on it and that kind of kind of perks up your day, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that is one of the positives of being a desert cop. Desert cop. What happens in a bog? What happens if you toss a body in a bog? Oh, I was thinking about that because there's a couple of places where the flesh would stay on there basically forever. You know when they like find a like Incan mummy that still has all oh, yeah. of its flesh on it because it was at high altitude and in freezing temperatures or like one of those bog bodies? And I you'd don't... be like, oh, shit, still got to investigate this even though it's yeah. 10,000 years ago. And that's why... I don't know if you've been following the forums, but those bog cops have been having a lot of trouble getting new recruits because they've got, you know, these 80, 90-year-old police officers who are researching crimes from 600 years ago. And they're saying, don't do what I did. Like, I'm fucking married to this job. Pick the driest climate you can, I'm yeah. urging you. If you want to be an officer of the law, please, yeah, move to the desert. Those goddamn desert cops are having the time of their lives. Although, all... although, mm. I um, I was watching a, an IMAX documentary about the secrets of the mummies. Mm. Uh, N- watching that on your on your regular TV though, you weren't watching that at the IMAX. No, no, yeah. I have I have like a whole bunch of uh, rips of like. No, I know I've IMAX I've watched them all documentaries on you your plex while I've yep. been smoking weed. Being yep. like, wow, nature is beautiful. You're right. Nature is cool. Thank you, IMAX. Well, if you watch the uh, the secrets of the pharaohs or mummies or whatever <laughs> Business one. Business secrets of the pharaohs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, narrated by Christopher Lee, uh, which is perfect. And, uh, and they immediately got into the reenactments and I was like, hey, why are they? Oh, of course. Um, 
Why are they doing reenactments of ancient Egypt? I said. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, but they were talking about like the methods for mummifying people and and like, you know, how they got to the different mixtures of 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 liquids and stuff that they put in them. And they said that the thing they did initially before they started building pyramids and temples and stuff was they would just bury them in the dry sand and they would get dry mummified just from being put in the sand. Wow. Um so, so like a desert cop could well find a body with flesh yeah. on the bones if you, just, a, if you just just dip that bad boy under the sand. There's a few unlucky desert cops who sort of <laughs> you know they think they've got this fucking clean, easygoing line of work. And yep. they go, God damn it! You normally just pick up the bones, you know, toss yep. them in your backpack, <laughs> nice and clean, nice and tidy. You take you them know? straight to the museum and you yeah, say, you know, "My it, work here is done." And you you say to yourself, "I love." Working in a goopless climate, (laughs) zero goop in this job. (laughs) It is the goop that turns me off from being a forensic scientist. (laughs) I don't don't mind a dead body. Hate the goop. Love the bones. Hate love the the bones. Hate the goop. Yeah, which is of course the concept behind the TV show Bones and uh, the Goop Laboratories. Gwyneth Paltrow's fascinating look into the lives of Bog. Police that's for that's for people who love the goop. That's, that's actually where she got the name for goop from. Can't get enough. Can't yeah. get enough of that wonderful goop. <laughs> <laughs> what if we could bottle goop? Uh, so I guess we, I guess some bodies have been found. Yeah, no, some skulls have been found. Uh, a number of oh. human skulls and other bones have been found in the shallow waters of the Spewy River near the village of Swedland, south of Rotterdam. Like I guess the the the, vi- the vibe I'm getting there is uh, we don't have skeletons. We've got some skulls and a lucky dip. Yeah, and a few right. other miscellaneous bits: fingers, femurs, yeah. things of that nature. It's so rude when these historic bodies don't reveal themselves fully assembled. It's like what? So now I, I gotta fucking put this body back together to figure some yeah. shit out. First, I gotta it, deal with the corpse, and I have to do a puzzle. It just feels like it would be. <laughs> Polite, polite to follow cartoon logic, mm. to just sort of it's, be hanging together honestly, in the right order. It's how I conduct my entire. I still my <laughs> rudimentary understanding of everything on planet Earth is that everything will come pre-assembled as it does in a cartoon, and whenever it doesn't, like I'm so much more taken aback than I reasonably mm. should be. <laughs> so I think. Do you also believe you've got a few seconds of grace once you run off a cliff before the shit really starts popping off? I ideally long enough to hold up a placard with some sort of pithy <laughs> observation about my current scenario. Yikes! Or it's a living check, yeah. please. Yeah, sure. I think, I think the most inconsiderate corpses are just kind of jumbled. <laughs> oh know? my god. Um. The, I think the baseline level of consideration a corpse can show you is to be assembled and in like a, a stat, like a T-pose, you know, like a video game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the most considerate type of corpse is one that is in a pose that ideally communicates something about what was happening to them in their oh, they're, life. They're charadesing you know? how they died. Yeah, like uh, maybe, maybe they're like reaching in pain for their back and there's another corpse right next to them with a knife in its hand and then all the work's done for you. Except for who dealt to the person with the knife in their hand? Maybe they just fell asleep they, and that oh, was yeah. their time to go very maybe, peacefully. Maybe the, maybe the guilt killed them. Yeah, I'm just going to lie down right here. It's that guy that... Uh, 
the body they found at Pompeii of the guy that was masturbating? Oh. that That's a body telling a story. It's Looking beautiful. out the window and just like, nope. I've been waiting all day for this. <laughs> yeah. Will not be stopped. I have these five minutes to myself. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife's going to be back from the market okay, with a basket but, of wheat any second. Yeah. Now. To be fair, at, well, at that point, considering the walk from the water to the ruins of Pompeii was pretty much just a basket. <laughs> I ask you guys this. <laughs> uh-huh. One of the guys in the town saying, why do you keep calling it the ruins of Pompeii? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, I just got a feeling. You're masturbating. You see yep. either a, a tsunami or a volcanic explosion that will surely spell the end of not just you, but the entire town in which you live. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You're going to finish? It it really depends for me on 50% loaded. Like I the only the only the only clarity I need on this scenario, right, is is it immediately obvious to me from looking at the impending thing that I am I am absolutely not able to avert death? In any way, like, am I am I looking out the window and seeing like a kilometer high tidal wave yeah, coming towards yeah. me? You know, that basically, kind of thing. that's what I'm imagining. I do think that deep inside of the recesses of our reptilian brains, though, there, we'll, even then, we'd still be like, I can outrun it. You know, I, I think yeah. that our survivalist instinct would probably override our, you know, like the, jacking off, the jack off instinct. The jack off instinct. I guess the problem is that, like, even even if you do have a very strong jack-off instinct that says, no, I can knock this out before it gets here, right? Um, like you're saying, I, I think that's that's still sort of immediately completely giving up on the idea of self-preservation, mm. which I think, like you're saying, a lot of humans, animal brain, uh, will, will not just do immediately. <laughs> I'm feeling a little torn, I think, here, where, you know, the... I think the anxiety of my own imminent doom and also the doom of everyone around me and all you that I've ever known. that a turn off? It oh. might ruin, <laughs> you know, the sort of eroticism of the moment. But then there is another part that I think maybe my brain would be like, you're going into the halls of your forefathers gloriously. Yeah. Go for it well, right you'd, now. You'd think of that guy from Pompeii. About what it, yeah. I mean, you know, I remember his his state of affairs better than anyone else's. From you know, from the ruins of Pompeii. I'm also now imagining a scenario where it's like you you you're halfway through, you see it, you panic, you're like, I can outrun this thing. You do, and then you get then you've um, ruined it. Well, then, yeah, then you then you like you get um done for like indecent exposure because you're running away from a tsunami with your you know with your penis hanging out. Can we can we talk about his position for a second? What he's like, sort of reclining that he's doing. Yeah, this this guy is jacking off like he's on a picnic rug, you know. Like, uh, like <laughs> if if you're just out in the field somewhere and you've put a picnic blanket down and you're like, hey, no one around for miles, I'm going to jack off. Time to I... lie down on my back. Just a guy, Ni- just a guy up. trying to get comfortable. He's got back problems. He's got his yeah. eyes shut. He's like, God damn it, it's roasty today. <laughs> I don't know how you can make a distinction between the way you would lie down on a bed versus how you would lie down on a picnic rug versus how you would lie down on any surface from the information that you have available to you. I mean, he looked like he was on a hard surface, you know. Yeah. Just lying down on the rock floor, you know, mashing his dick. I don't think they had a lot of chairs at that point in history. Stools, maybe. 
That's fair. Not to know that. I mean, you could just do it standing up as well. That's fine. The order in which things were invented. <laughs> no, what you got a problem with people masturbating while standing up? Yeah, <laughs> for the busy executive. For oh, was just Mr. Prude, like... Mr. Prude over here. Okay, he's he's always coming down on me yeah. for for my jacking off. What are you? Sex af- what are comments. you? What are you afraid of, Ben? Who hurt you? It may be that I will induce in myself an orgasm so powerful that my legs buckle out from underneath me. <laughs> it's like slipping over in the shower, but a thousand times more difficult to explain. <laughs> no, my masturbation technique is actually too good. That's why I hurt myself so badly. <laughs> yeah. The problem is that nobody nobody wants to accept that the common masturbation pose now is sitting in computer chair. I mean, no one's doing that. That was the common <laughs> masturbation pose of the... The bloody, the early two thousands and the nineties. We've moved beyond now. We're not tethered to the computer desk anymore. I wonder. Um, I wonder how people preferred to sit like in the eighties if you were looking <laughs> at a Playboy or a Hustler. You know, oh, banana lounge. Yeah, like well, because a magazine doesn't have any kind of structural integrity. You know, it's not wall mounted or on a stand like our nude picture looking at devices of today. Perhaps a phone. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like you couldn't lie on your back and look at a magazine. I don't think it's got it's far. It would be far too distracting. No, to try you're on, they're on their side. It it's sort of it's it's uh, Rose in the Titanic. I feel like mm-hmm. the beard oh, yeah. is playing the role of a chaise lounge. <laughs> they're in the they're in the picnic blanket pose. Yeah, uh, well, not entirely. But I I I'm imagining quite a tasteful scene actually. Isn't that interesting to think that you know historically there was so much awful stuff happening through? I mean, all of time. But there's still a romanticism. I think about you know these 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 hypothetical folks who are masturbating to Sears catalogs or whatever in the 80s, and there's a mm-hmm. real there's a real touch of class and romanticism to it that is frankly unwarranted. They were probably disgusting <laughs> grubs who are you know contorted <laughs> into bizarre shapes next to bushes trying to get a moment's privacy. And yet in my head, I, I think of these as some of the classiest masturbators you know <laughs> in, in all of time. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think happenstance has forced them perhaps into looking at a 1970s playboy of a, a tastefully nude woman and going, this is it for me. But if they had the chance uh, to type BBW choke slap porn uh, <laughs> into Google, they would have done it uh, at a moment's notice. Oh, um, okay. So, so me and wife of the show, my wife, Elna, we mm-hmm. have said, hey, this year, let's watch a whole bunch of classic movies, you know, that we haven't seen. Let's tick off a bunch of bucket yeah. list type movies. Um, and though I'm quite sure I've seen it before, we watched Singing in the Rain oh, uh, wonderful, the other day. Wonderful film. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Marvelous. Very enjoyable. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's later than I thought it was from because it's set like, you know, 15 years earlier yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Elna was definitely uh, like, oh, I didn't expect movies from that long ago to be genuinely funny, you know, um, which it really is. Uh, but like one of the one of the like sort of the 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 romantic comedy plot point for the leads is that. Um, oh, no, I'm, I'm confusing Singing in the Rain with On the Town, the other classic musical that we watched last night with Gene Kelly. Never seen and- it. And yeah, terrible. <laughs> and so, like, so him and him and Frank Sinatra, sailors, they get shore leave. Uh, they're trying to get dates and all that sort of stuff. Nobody can say, "I I need that pussy" because it's uh, 1952 or whatever. <laughs> and 
Um, so no, it so, has the guts in 1952. So, so Gene Kelly meets this girl who he thinks um, is like a, some sort of minor celebrity or a model or a spokeswoman or something. Um, but it turns out she is actually a cooch dancer. Mm. And so she's, she's embarrassed. She doesn't want to tell him that she dances out at like the Coney Island Carnival and is a cooch dancer. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is a cooch dancer? And this is where um, it, it comes from the expression dancing the hoochie coochie. Of course. Uh, and so dancing, dancing the cooch was like a suggestive writhing of the limbs and the, and the mm. body, gyrating the hips, you know, kind of sexy dance that they would do in burlesque things and at these carnivals. Because at a certain point when like movies had started happening, movies and theater and stuff, circuses and things like that were becoming like less of a popular form of entertainment. So that sort of shrunk down to carnivals, which would travel. They would just kind of ditch things like horse riding and animals and stuff. And they would just have like the rides and the sideshows. And some of the sideshows were cooch dancers. And apparently this would kind of uh, change in tone depending on how cash strapped the individual carnival was, right? So some of them would be like a burlesque type writhing woman sort of thing. And some of them would be, uh, we just have naked ladies and you can look at their holes. <laughs> and apparently some of them would go to the extent of the local rubes. They would just have three shows, like three tents running cooch dances and the local guys would come and they would start at one move on to the next one, then the third one, and go back to the start and just spend all day going around in a circle, looking at these naked ladies. Some of them would even end with the locals having bought flashlights, crowding around the no. female dancer with her legs spread to shine their lights and get a really good look. Wow. And so... Like you were saying about, we have this kind of romanticized idea of what people might have jacked off to in the past. Now picture a dude in 1928 standing in a tent with a bunch of other guys with a flashlight he bought from home, shining it at a woman's pussy. It's uh, getting a real good look. Obviously devastating on many fronts, but to me currently mostly fascinating that, you know, the granular biological detail of any sexual organ under lights is mm. a, you know a lot of arousal is sort of circumstance and conceptual it's not about physical capacity to analyze what's in front of you <laughs> i mean in my well, so, so many people's so many people's like you know thoughts of um of like their first sexual experience and stuff people refer to like you know fumbling around and like feeling <laughs> and like touching each other for the first time not so then i turned the lamp on and pointed it at his penis and said you you got to give me a solid five minutes at a ten thousand candle power spotlight yeah <laughs> i remember the first time i had had sex with a traditional lady and i remember she was shining a flashlight down my urethra and i've never felt so vulnerable in all my years Getting one of those little like um one of the the little cameras that's like on a <laughs> yeah yeah kind of say I yeah. I feel responsible for this I you know we mm -hmm. we broached the soft core season of the worst idea of all time and all of a sudden the entire Bunta Vista conversation has <laughs> been reduced to smut and I, I feel I wouldn't say reduced personally <laughs> personally responsible elevated to. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I, I've seen the runaway success of you guys uh, veering towards horniness, and I figured it's time we probably tried to replicate that over here. Well, okay. I'm happy to do what little I can. Uh, oh, Ben, if you're in favour of that now, uh, listeners, no, please write into mailbag at buntavista.com and let <laughs> us know what was the first media that you masturbated Why to. do you keep trying to do this? I am the only person that reads these emails. And well, it is much, much like you are not the only person who reads the emails. And much like Guy, I'm all about those stats. Yeah. That's true. I'm I want to get some figures in. I want to get a, some figures in. I'm a stat head. I remember playing a game of, um, this is, you know, this is the early days of my adolescence and also the internet, but a, a game of uh, Tetris. And if you were successful, it would very slowly unveil, like it would oh, buffer yeah. a, an image of a nude woman beneath, you know, where the blocks once were. And that was one of the, you know, I, I don't even actually know that I... um. I, I thought to masturbate that I just think I had quite a distracted game of Tetris. I bet it was very I bet it was very titillating though because I remember playing like those um, those sort of like freeware or shareware or whatever um, strip poker games mm. and and you're like ooh strip poker and what it actually is is there's like a picture of a lady who is yeah. clo- who is clothed on like the back of the deck of cards or whatever and you have to play and win you know, a round yeah, of yeah. poker and then like, you know, the picture changes and one item of clothing <laughs> has come off. And really what's happening that is not that sexual is like, ah, I played 40 hands of poker and got to see four very low resolution images of a woman in, in her underwear or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, like you're saying, it's, it's not particularly sexy to like be shown half of a, of a picture of a yeah, naked woman but, while you're concentrating on not losing the game of know, Tetris. It's a slightly more intriguing way of concentrating, I guess. I, I definitely remember there being some sort of like, uh, there was a gap between a point where I realized that seeing a, a, an image of a nude woman is exciting, but I guess before I was really like masturbating, before my masturbating career took off, mm-hmm. where Which I guess I'm left... <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for me on the world masturbating stage. Uh, where you just sort of, you, you would somehow chance upon a nude image of a lady. And then really all you could do with that image is go, well, that's nice. You just sit there and you go, I'm appreciating this. It's sort of the way that you would look at art in an art museum. Yeah. You don't have to masturbate to the Mona Lisa to enjoy it. You can simply look at it and enjoy wow. it. And I guess that's... <laughs> that's what, speak for yourself. That's what speak the guy yourself. at the Louvre told me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> masturbate to enjoy it, sir. You don't have but to it masturbate. Helps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're all racing to that punchline. Ben, well done, oh. you bastard. Uh, thank you very much. Been practicing, but like you said about uh, about chancing upon a thing again, a very romanticized idea. Which, if you stop to think about it, even for a second, is very gross. Is the classic, um, like walking home from school and finding a discarded adult magazine. Mm. Oh know? man, we were pouring over a, a, a like a Ralph magazine that had been half set on fire. So, sort of missing the outer edges of the page, uh, but, you know, still saw some... Still got some, some good stuff. Some busty ladies in bikinis. Shit. I believe Ralph is no nudity, to, to my recollection. So, true. so devastating to think of those magazines. Ralph and FH, for him magazine, FHM, finally, oh. a magazine yeah. for the fellas. Finally. <laughs> I, uh, 
you know, I thought that they were the coolest thing on it, but to think of like the creative team behind these magazines, mm. like to think of the writer's room or I don't even know what, the, you know, where they're operating out of. It's one of the most like demoralizing, disheartening uh, thought experiments in the world. Like, you know why they're British? Mm. Like, like I, th- I think uh, while they did have Australian versions of like Maxim and FHM and yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, what nuts, Not people, familiar. picture magazine, all those things. Um, yeah, like like. <laughs> Like you're saying, they all all of those magazines always felt like they had like the most rigidly prescribed uh, style guide for writing. Yeah, <laughs> which is like no, no, you haven't made any mention of Norks in this sentence. You what's, have not. You have yeah. not. What's better, you reckon, guy, to imagine that the people that worked in these offices were operating um, completely sincerely, <laughs> and that this was a passion of theirs? And they were trying to create the best thing they possibly could, or that they knew that all they had to do was put the bikini ladies in there and just write some sort of vaguely sexist trash content, some, some shit about cars in there or whatever as well. It's really, um, it's a very, you know, it's a great, it's a great question. I think <laughs> it's a great question. God, thank you. We're really getting somewhere now, aren't we? I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I. Uh, I, I think that the cynical version of that is better. I think that the, oh, the pe- yeah. I, just because the sincerity suggests um, that there's some sort of value in it. Well, just like a deeper <laughs> underlying problem. The, the cynicism, at least, is just a bunch of you know uh, misogynistic assholes punching a check. But if if people were making those magazines sincerely. Then it speaks to like a. I mean, you know, neither of these are ideal outcomes, but mm. it's it's to me it's somehow more devastating that you know people were writing these horny accounts of um their babysitters or whatever, and these you know like people were pouring over their these whatever the the lewd real stories they'd share as material inside of these magazines. Because I remember, um, like, I remember reading girl, my my sister's girlfriends in Dolly magazines and like the Dolly mm. Doctrine, the embarrassing oh, moments. Absolutely, and I, I, I honestly, I had a much more comfortable and better time in the pages of those magazines than an FHM. I but, think both both of them. I just my gut feeling uh, have a pretty high proportion of people that are. Um, I would say an equal proportion. No, actually, no. Sorry, that's that's not true. I take that back. The FHM stuff everyone that's writing in is making them up entirely. I would say the Dolly Doctors and your girlfriends and your embarrassing moments and your so on and so forth. Seventy five percent fake, twenty five percent real. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. I love those. Though. I was always like, oh, a sealed section. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, ripping the scab off that Cosmo sexy sealed section so I could finally <laughs> unfurl twelve ways to make him scream. Nothing made my fucking, you know, the hairs on my, the back of my neck stand on edge quite like, you know, doing that inside of a dairy. Uh, reading, <laughs> reading those ways. Yeah. What's a glands? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, Ben, I would, I would merely observe that um, you yourself have spent a not inconsiderable uh, time in your life writing for like a, a youth news magazine comedy publication type thing mm-hmm. certainly yeah 
And uh, there was a stretch of that that I understand that you did not enjoy that much as a result of like just having to kind of pump stuff out, particularly if they say, just write a thing about this. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I cannot help but think that things like FHM and Nuts and Zoo and stuff like that would have had kind of a similar tone in the sense of like, I think those sorts of magazines were the closest thing to like clickbait of the era. Yeah. We have we have tits, we have funny stories. We have stories people are making up. <laughs> the original clickbait <laughs> was uh the magazines that weren't rude enough to be wrapped in plastic but still That's rude it. that your mum wouldn't no, let you buy no. them. The original cl- clickbait was people describing the um, mummified corpse of that guy masturbating in Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we lure him in. This guy's dick. <laughs> Oh dear! Now anybody we... got anything else about jacking off that they need to? No, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I've already shared a lot more than I planned. Okay, <laughs> I, I did warn you in advance. You're going to need about forty minutes of jack off material for the episode. Yeah, so. I know. Well, I've just yeah. blown the, the, you know, the the second third of my big show. <laughs> COVID, uh, intergenerational warfare, and my experiences jacking off. Uh, look for all that and more in Guy Montgomery's Australian shows in Sydney and yeah. Melbourne. Please. Uh, look out for those tickets if they're still extant at, uh, at the time. You've got to imagine within out. the first 15 minutes of your listeners hearing this that the whole run sold out. <laughs> yes. Oh, I hope so. Of course. Have we solved this? Have we solved this Dutch murder yet? We or? are one sentence into a uh, <laughs> nine-paragraph story. Uh, I'm just going to skim through this, and you, you let, let me know how you feel. Uh, the grim find was made on Friday by a local who was planning to go fishing in his canoe. Eric Sagan told the AD he decided to launch his boat from a different spot than usual and saw a skull in the shallow water. I looked at my foot. And the back of a skull was on the bottom, with the eye socket staring up at me, he said. Uh, Sagan alerted the police who came to collect the skulls, uh, but on Sunday, Sagan found even more, some of which were in a plastic rubbish bag. That, that kind of says not that ancient to me, you know? The plastic well, rubbish bag. The plastic yeah. rubbish bag's a giveaway. Yes, the skulls were still old, though. Uh, as he says here, the skulls themselves look very old, but the rubbish bag was new. There was no algae on it, he told the paper. Some no of the skulls skull, were complete. No skull dumping in this area. Yeah. Uh, others did not have the lower jaw. Sagan told Media TV they had found 10 to 15 skulls in total. Police say the bones do not appear to have come from a recent crime, but as yet, they have no idea as to their origin or how old they are. The bones have been taken to the Dutch Forensic Institute to be researched. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's, weight a of, that's a weight off my mind. Hmm. Well, hopefully we get an answer to that. That's a lot of skulls to find. He Obviously, I can't read tone from text, but he seems quite cavalier about it. I, I, I always skulls. assume if, if you're reading a Dutch person's tone, uh, I think that the that one of the safest assumptions is very serious. And Guy, just to be clear, your personal threshold for how many skulls you find alarming is set to one? Uh, if I find one skull... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm out of my element at one skull. Do you think do you think that much like the podcast the worst idea of all time? Do you think that there would be a certain number of skulls where you'd be like this isn't so bad? I think <laughs> no, okay. So it, I I think 
in the event of finding one scale, that would be alarming. Two scales alarming. Like if it's in one event, I'm coming across anywhere between one and a higher number than one of scales. Mm-hmm. That's freaky. But if I find a scale and then the next week I find two scales and the next week I find three scales, that's freaky for a while. But mm. by the time I get to probably ten or more scales. I'm oh, so you think of finding skulls at intervals. Well, I, I, I mean, obviously, there's something much more sinister afoot, but also I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm at this point expecting to come across a large number mm, of skulls. Mm. And I at some like- point, the police are going to be like, I think these are his skulls. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this man reached that point more or less immediately. He was there on Friday, saw some skulls and was like, all right. And then he went back on Sunday. He's like, oh, more oh, skulls. Skulls. And then that's it. He's just like, well, this is the skull spot now. If I want a canoe here, I'm just going to find some historical skulls staring at me. Yeah. What possible explanation could there be for this? Uh, Guy, please solve this mystery immediately off the top mm, of your head. Mm. I guess, you know, challenging swimming hole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it does sound like he was standing in it and he could... You could see the bottom. Are yeah. you suggesting maybe like a, a high diving board with submerged rocks type situation? Uh, uh, no, that, that's, I mean, that would work too. That's what it sounded like. But I more mean like, oh, I got a great spot to um, teach the kids how to swim. I actually sent the neighbor's kids down there to learn how to swim <laughs> just last week. Oh, I hope to see them again one day. Yeah. I don't know, man. Look, it's outside my jurisdiction. There's no flesh on him, so you know it's not really a concern. Not for me. I mean, what do you think's happening? It sounds like this canoeist might be a murderer. (laughs) He might be, but I'm assuming some sort of like historian who's got too much stuff, a guy who's trying to build in a heritage area, who's trying to cover up that there is some sort of historical gravesite there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the answer is it's uh, Predator from the movie Predator. Well, and One of the more famous Predators. For what it's yep. worth, since you last spoke and now, you have put glasses on, which elevates the value of your opinion <laughs> by quite a lot. Yep, yep. Because uh, you will remember in the movie Predator that the titular Predator, uh, he pulls out a guy's spine and skull, uh, and then he climbs up in a tree and he uses a special Predator kit Cleans them up real nice, so they are all completely dry. They are they are utterly goopless, mm. uh, and and white and very clean. Only several scenes later, Desert Cop uh, wouldn't even see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would suggest that maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe this guy spooked a predator. You know, he sort of wandered into the area, and the predator went <gasps> and dropped his plastic shopping bag full of skulls. Yeah, yeah. Immediately turned on his invisibility thing. It's, got out of there. There's not a lot of words who have had a a, a a steeper fall from grace than the word predator since 1987, right? It's true. <laughs> Used to be cool. Used to be cool. For a brief period there, you'd hear the word predator and you'd think of a cool alien guy. Now you hear the word predator and you think of Woody Allen, <laughs> which is a shame. For shame. Well, look, I personally am going to take this opportunity to thank Guy for coming on the show. Oh. It's been a real pleasure. It's nice to shoot the breeze with a couple of um, bespectacled Australians. One of my <laughs> long-held dreams. Do you want to just uh, do you want to just hit people again with the the upcoming dates of oh. hypo- hypothetical shows? Hell yeah! Please, uh, if you're in Melbourne or Sydney, I'm coming over to do the comedy festivals, and I'm in, I'm actually in surprisingly good shape. 
both as a comedian and physically. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival. The show's called Guy Montgomery by name, Guy Montgomery by nature. If you go to guymontgomery.co.nz, you'll find a ticket link. And uh, check out the seasons of Taskmaster New Zealand that have oh. Guy Montgomery on them because they're um I've watched a bunch of the different nationalities of Taskmaster now, easily top three. You're the too New kind. Zealand one. It's uh, <laughs> hold on. Know. What are the other? Well, there's upwards of five. There's uh, a ton of them. Yeah, yeah. There's the, a few. The Finnish one is dog shit. Do not watch the Finnish one. It's fucking hey, awful. Come on. We've got a lot of Finnish listeners. They're having a hard enough time watching their neighbors <laughs> fucking, you know, run ships up on land. They don't need you to put the boot in right now. I actually will say that uh, while while Norway is going through such a time, uh, t- tough time maritime-wise, uh, the Norwegian Taskmaster uh, series is uh, a, d- a delight. They are wonderful. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Andrew. Ben, it's been a real pleasure. Hey, well, um, hopefully see you when you come to Brisbane. I would hmm. love to come to Brisbane. I'd love to come to Brisbane too. I mean, we, you know, we, we had a live show, but we very bravely cancelled it. We that, did. That is <laughs> And brave. we'll cancel it again. There's not a lot braver than cancelling yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually. <laughs> um, right. Not waiting for anyone else to do it. Yeah. If you're listening to this before uh, Saturday, January 29th, which you might well be, uh, we're doing a live show. Uh, 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, but as a live stream uh, on our Twitch channel. Um, check that out. It'll, it's not, it's not the same as doing a live show, but it's, it's all we've got. I'm sorry, that's all we can do in these mm. trying times. Mm. Don't feel badly about it. it sounds great. <laughs> well, thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye.